0: Father, we thank you, Father, for this morning. Thank you, Lord, for this blessed privilege that you have afforded us this morning to be able to gather in your house in this manner. So many of our brethren all around the world who cannot enjoy this freedom. But, Lord, in your sovereign will, You've allowed us to be able to gather the way we gather this morning. And therefore, O Lord, we don't want to take this privilege for granted. Father, we do, Father, desire in our inner man that we will be joined together with our brethren who are going through intense persecution. And I pray, Father, that, Lord, we will receive the word in that spirit. That, Lord, we will not waver from the truth that has been spoken to our hearts. That Lord, we will not rebel against it. And as scripture enjoins us, O Lord, that each of us will receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save our souls. And therefore I pray, Father, that you would bless the speaking of this word and the hearing of this word, that you would anoint each one of us to hear And me to speak. I am just a vessel. I pray therefore that you would sanctify me. Cleanse me. Forgive me. For my sins and my trespasses and iniquity. O Lord. And let nothing that is inside of me block your anointing. But Lord let it come forth with power. Changing each one of us. Beginning with me. From the inside out. That we will truly father hear the truth. And by knowing the truth we will be truly set free. To that end, I pray that you would bless the hearing and the speaking of this word and grant us attentive ears and believing hearts and obedient wills. In Jesus' name, Amen. This morning, we just want to look at what is true blessing. What is true blessing? True blessing. When do we think that we are truly blessed? What does really uh, satisfy us? What really satisfies us? If you look at the old covenant, uh, the word for blessing is several words. One of them is baruch or barach. That's the Hebrew word, blessedness. It's the highest form of blessing that is given, and that is the one which comes from the from the higher to the lower where Melchizedek blesses Abraham, the word is used. In Numbers chapter 6, God asks Aaron, this is how he has to bless his people. And one of the benedictions that we use sometimes. The Lord blessed, in Numbers chapter 6, verse 24 to 27, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name, put my name on the children of Israel and I will bless them. This is what uh, God says or rather tells through Moses to Aaron. This is how he has to bless, pronounce a blessing on the children of Israel. And what is true blessing? And if you look at the old covenant particularly, the blessing was quite in the external. And if you look at in Deuteronomy chapter 28, you'll see that from verses 1 onwards. Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth, but you will be number one rank in the world, which I believe Israel is in terms of it's science and technology and if not, number one, it's there on the higher side. One of the most prosperous nations in the world. One of the most gifted communities in the world. One of the most uh, maximum number of per capita Nobel laureates in the world. This is just how the Jewish nation was blessed and it's indeed true. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. So, and, and therefore God is saying, if you obey me, I'm going to bless you. And how am I going to bless you? Blessed shall be you in the city and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body. The produce of your ground and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle and the increase of your flocks. In other words, you, are, you put in your money and it's going to multiply and i believe uh, the principle of compound interest was a jewish idea by the way <laughs> it's it's that's how god multiplied blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl blessed shall you shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you when you when you go out the lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face etc 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 all external blessings which are connected I mean, which will God will give you if you obey him. And on the other hand, he also pronounces the curses if you disobey him. I'm not going to go into that. This is how the old covenant people looked at blessing. Oh my goodness. If he had a car, boy, he's blessed. If he's got a mercy, he's, blessed. he's, got, he's more blessed. If he's got a huge balance, Baba, blessed. But on the on, at the same time, you'll find a, a set of old covenant believers I'm not talking necessarily of the new covenant, who also had a different idea of blessing. Okay. The blessing was not so much external. Blessing was something which was internal. And there's another Hebrew word for blessing in the, in the old covenant, which is, I mean in the Hebrew, which is called ashre. And the very first time it is used in the in the Hebrew uh, Bible is in in Psalm one. Blessed is the man. Who's he? The one who's got a huge bank balance? No, 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 no. Ashrei. The blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law. That's that's what he is delighting in. That is what he says is true blessed. This is where it is. You can see then some Psalm, Psalm 1, verses 1 and 2 Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of the sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. This is talking about internal. I mean he says, This man is truly blessed. The word blessed, by the way, this uh, the word Hebrew word ashre means truly happy. I'm i re- I'll be really happy if this is what my heart's condition is. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. What? Really? The law of the Lord? Leviticus? <laughs> Numbers? Are you sure? That's his delight. And I get next again, another place. In Psalm 32 verses 1 and 2. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven. Wow. I mean this is not old, New Testament, this is old covenant. Okay. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no guile. This is talking about internal. This is not talking about ostensible blessings on the outside. That's a redundant statement, ostensible blessings on the outside, but as that is true. I want more and more and more and the more and more I'm blessed. That's what I think I'm truly blessed, but it's not, that's not what the psalmist confesses and this is particularly David. Psalm 44 verse 4, Blessed is a man who makes the Lord his trust and does not respect the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. This is again a hard attitude. Another blessing. Psalm 94 verse 12, Blessed is the man whom thou chastenest. Oh, really? (laughs) Oh Lord, teach him out of your law. Think about it. When your dad is spanking you, do you think that he's blessing you? Well, this is what he's talking about. He's saying, If my if the Lord chastens you, you're truly blessed. That's a heart that's a hard attitude. Another place, Psalm hundred and nineteen verses one and two. Blessed are the undefiled in the way, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies, and that seek him with the whole heart. How many of you think that is truly blessing? Really, honestly. I mean, if you were here today in the church, if you confess and say, look, you know what, I delight in the law of the Lord, and that... And therefore, I know that I'm blessed. Do you really feel that way in the church of Jesus Christ this morning? Or, (laughs) I'm writing (laughs) entrance exam. (laughs) Uh, Or, I'm going for IIT coaching. What have you, whatever it is. Whatever your idol is. Idol is. I'm I'm going ahead of myself, but I'll use that anyway. Whatever it is, if I get a promotion. When I get a job that I like, if I get married to the girl of my dreams, I don't know, whatever that, is, whoever that person is. We'll come to that later part and I'm sure by the time that I come there you'll all laugh if you're sleeping by then. So that's to wake you up. But, you know, this, this, this attitude, I mean, this carries forward by the way into the, in the, into the New Testament. When, when Jesus starts preaching the Sermon on the Mount, this is what he says. He says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Again, the same word. The, the Greek, uh, Greek word is the Hebrew word translated "ashrei," blessed, happy. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which, hung, which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see And of all the blessings. And I believe one of the most, if I were to say, the linchpin upon which the old covenant shifts forward into the new covenant. The turning point, if you will. What is genuine blessing? I'll tell you why. Why I'm I'm using that word. Jesus says, the law and the prophets were until whom? Until whom? Until John. But the least in the kingdom of heaven... Is, is greater than him. So, when the disciples of John come and ask Jesus, you know, are you the one to come, or should we wait for another person? And he says, John, go and tell John what do you see, etc. And then he uses something very interesting. He says, blessed are they who are not offended because of me. And upon this attitude of the heart, every other, so in other words, in other words, you are truly not poor in the spirit if you're never offended. If you're offended. If you're, you're truly not mourning if you're offended. You're truly not hungering and thirsting after righteousness if you're offended. You're truly not meek if you're offended. You're truly not pure in heart if you're offended. You're, not, you're truly not a peacemaker if you're offended. Because offended people, that's like what I was talking about. The first thing in the, he opened the statement was a rebuke from the beginning. Couples, are they peacemakers at home? Or are you, do you carry offense? You see? Bless and this is, upon this attitude of the heart, rise every other blessing. That is New Covenant. So therefore I titled my sermon today, Are You Offended? Okay. I wanna, uh, you know, just wanna give some shock value to this word offend. What does it really mean? The word offended comes from a Greek word called scandalino. Which means scandal. Blessed are they who are not scandalized because of me. And I'm telling you honestly, believing in the Lord Jesus Christ is a scandalous job. It's a scandalous proposition. Okay. This is going to really, really require from you and 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 if you if you if you actually glean um, through the new testament jesus and the apostles in several ways particularly jesus expose our attitudes wherein we will know whether we are truly offended or not you need to understand you know what how do we know that i am not offended because see offense is a very deep issue it's not it doesn't come out it's it's not It's not visible in the the, the face. It comes out when real things really, really go bad in your life. Things are not happening your way. Pressure is on every side. And this is what you thought should be happening. That's exactly what happened to John. John John thought I was a righteous man. I've been preaching the truth. I've been on the side of God. So many people are getting converted in my ministry. God has been doing miracles in my ministry in that. So many people are getting saved. And because of that, and because I spoke a truth to a man who is absolutely compromised, I'm put in prison. What kind of a God is this? You see, you see, it's going to challenge us. It's a it's a scandal to believe in in Jesus. Absolutely, even till date, if your lifestyle does not offend people around you, you are truly not being a believer. Let me let me honestly tell you, this is this is how you know that people that you truly truly are a believer. If people in the off, in your office space find you that you cannot you cannot be understood. Not because you are difficult to understand. Because the choices that, they, that you make absolutely shatter their value systems. I mean, they're, they're absolutely bewildered and absolutely crestfallen if you will and sometimes when you make decisions for Jesus. And they say, I, I don't understand this Vijay. What kind of a God are you, are you, are you, are you, are you following? This is scandalous. I would never be doing that for for my God. Like Pastor was talking about the other day when he came back from um, from Kerala. Or somebody visited visited his home who come from a non-believing background, and she said, "You know what? You Christians die for your God, but we don't." <laughs> I mean, this is an incredible religion. What is this that you are go- you're going all out for your God? This is scandalous. The question, therefore, is. Does your walk really offend people in that sense? Or it does not because you carry offence in your heart. You see. So how do we test ourselves? How do we test ourselves? Let's look at the very f- first way most believers get offended. And I include myself. Most meaning all. Okay, all get offended. Let me, let me show you the first verse. Matthew chapter 13, verses 20 to 21. This is talking about the parable of the sower and the seed that fell on the rocky terrain. This, this is what he says. He says, but he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word, immediately receives it with joy, Oh boy, I mean, he says, boy, that was an awesome word, Pastor. Fantastic. He's like, he's, 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 uh, boy, this is a word. Man, that is awesome. He's, he's titillated in his flesh, in his emotions. Look at what he says. Yet he has no depth in himself, but endures only for a while. For, because, when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, he immediately stumbles or offended. The original translation says he's offended or he falls away. That is a very powerful word, by the way. This is a very, 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 very powerful word. I'm going to talk about what falling away is today. What is that falling away? He falls away because he received the word. He and he, he received it with, with with joy. And suddenly, he thought... Christian life, Baba. I'm gonna nail it. But something happened. He never anticipated it. This is what. This was not supposed to be happening to him, and it happened. And he gets offended, and many believers get offended by the word. I want to look at another parallel passage in, in 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 Luke, which actually shows you another nuance of this of the same word. Luke chapter eight was thirteen, But the one. But the ones on the rock are those who when they hear, the hear, receive the word with joy, and they have no root, who believe for a while, and in time of, what? Temptation. Fall away. They fall away during temptation. Another place. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy, but in the time of testing, fall away. And this word, fall away, by the way, is the one who withdraws away. He doesn't want, it's not like, he doesn't he does not He does not stop coming to church. But in his heart, he, he just keeps the word away. It's coming too close to me. I don't want to change. It's requiring too much from me. I don't want to do it. I don't want to obey it. I'll tell you something about the word of God. If it's really anointed. Faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Other translations will say, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ, which essentially means uh, the anointed word, hearing the anointed word. That is how ears are open, and that is how faith comes. And the very nature of the word of God is that it starts a dynamic process of change. You know, um some uh, i was listening to this uh, jewish rabbi and he said if you look at the old testament it's written in hebrew and hebrew is a fantastic language i mean it's possibly one of the most incredible languages i'll tell you why because if you're an engineer you'll understand what i'm trying to say you know in in engineering and if especially for a communication engineer you want to ensure that the bandwidth is low i mean you minimize the bandwidth utilization so that and you maximize your transport of information meaning if the spectrum is, let's say, 400 hertz, if you don't understand what I'm saying, large bandwidth, if you use bad language. That means if your language is too verbose, bad language. If you're speaking too much, bada, 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 to communicate, then it's bad language. But if you're using a short number of alphabets to give the maximum throughput in communication terms, means you have a very good communication system. And it's interesting that the Hebrew has only twenty-two consonants. And the, you, if you ask the question, "What is the language Hebrew? How does it? What does what it? What is it similar to?" People will say it's similar to Arabic, it's similar to Egyptian, it is similar to uh, Ara, uh, uh, what, maybe some other uh, those pictorial languages, or maybe even Chinese, etc., etc. But you know what? Hebrew is actually close to chemistry. It's like this. When you say water, what is it? H2O, two atoms of hydrogen, one atom of oxygen sharing the outer electron, right? Am I right? Preparing for engineering. So, I'm just testing you. So, what does it say? When God said, let there be water, for example, what had happened? Hydrogen was created. And the very words of life started a dynamic process of change. He started creating something out of nothing. That's exactly what uh, Romans chapter 4 will say. He calls those things that are not as though they are. So when he speaks something, there's a dynamic process that that is starting. Right? You understand what I'm saying? Therefore, you know what Hebrews will say? He'll say, let us strive, look at this, there's a fantastic connection here between, between falling away and the Word of God. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may what? Fall by the same sort of disobedience. Why? Because the Word of God is living. It is active. What does active means? It's opening doors, pushing doors and obstructions that are coming on its way and literally going into the depths of your heart and creating a dynamic process. And if you don't surrender to it, you will be gone. If you yield to it, you will be made. That's what he's saying. For the word of God is living, it's active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and the spirit spirit, the joints and the marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And so many believers, so to say, even I, when I was growing up, we received the word at such a superficial emotional level, and we don't understand what God is requiring from us. Okay, God pronounces a blessing upon us and then we say, boy, that was a fantastic word. This is exactly what happens in the New Testament. You look at this, look at this. Okay, this is Genesis chapter 12 verses 1 to 3. Okay, this is the call of Abraham, the second call. But you understand what is happening over here. Now the Lord said to Abraham, get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. And make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. If I were to come and tell you this today. The Lord says brother. Through you. There is one company which is starting. And that company is going to hold the economy. And when your company falls. The economy falls. When your company prospers. The economy prospers. What will you say? What a God. And then, and not only that, then the Lord appeared to Abraham and this is basically, you know, uh, uh, I will bless them who bless you, meaning all those who partner with you will be blessed and all your competitors will be destroyed. In uh, economic terms. And then, he says, then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your descendants, I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord and the Lord appeared to him. Oh, thank you, Jesus! Hallelujah! But he doesn't understand what the call of God is going to require from him. And the very next verse will say, "Now there was a famine in the land." Hey, Lord, you told me that you bless me. You'll bless me. You told me that I'm going to be the A source of blessing to all all the world, and those who curse me will be cursed, and those who bless me will be blessed. (laughs) That's exactly what happened to me when I was in when I was in Canada. I was walking down this uh down this road on snowy day, okay, extremely snowy day. And then uh I was walking on the road and I was going towards my apartment, I was on my phone, calling to India. Uh, you do not know the person, but I was calling. I was talking to uh, the person and I was walking and walking and there's this Jewish guy comes with a yamuk on his, on his head. And he says, sir, can you give me something to eat, please? Or can you give me some money? I look at him and I said, what's wrong with this picture? Jew and begging? (laughs) I I, I said, I I said, I I said, please hang up. I'll call you back later. I hung up and I said, what's wrong with you? What's going on over here? And those days, you know, I was a student. Okay, I was a student, not much money. Okay, sometimes also in debt. And I looked at this guy, suddenly there was a word which came into my heart, my mind. This is a Jew, son of Abraham. Lord, you promised those whom you will bless, he will be blessed. I said, brother, come. I gave him some money I don't know what I how much I gave him okay I gave him that and he went and went away and I felt so nice in my heart and I thought I'm going to have a breakthrough the next day within the next 5 months I was bankrupt I had sufficient money to get a one way ticket back to India all doors shut What? What is this? That's exactly what happened to Abraham. What is going on here? I'm telling you something, you know. Many of you are going through that, if not all of you. You've regularly, you gave to ministries regularly and you're going through a, a testing, crunching time and you're saying, Lord, what's going on? What's going on with my life? Another guy, he yeah, had two dreams. Hey, you guys, come here, come here, come here, come here. All of you one day, you know, this is how you, if you we I'm a 13 year chap, right? With, uh, with all his attitude, with his, with his gown that his father gave, all of you one day will bow before me. He went to his dad. Dad! <laughs> you will also bow before, before me. Dad got very upset. What's wrong with you, fellow? Two words he got. But he will be blessed. And through him all the nations of the world will be blessed. And what happens to him the next? He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his fet- feet with fetters. He was laid in irons. Oh, really? All these fellows are not <laughs> bowing before me. They're actually throwing me into a dungeon and selling me as a slave. What's going on? What's going on? And then he says, until the time His word, the two words that God, the two dreams that God gave him came to pass. What happened? The word of the Lord tested him to see if this fellow is going to really get offended or is he going to submit to my sovereign will. What happens? You know the story. We are only seeing everything in 2020 hindsight. Vision 2020. Story is over. But think about what Joseph would have been going through. Why? Why does God allow this? In Deuteronomy chapter 8, he will say, So he humbled you, Israel. Allowed you to hunger. Have, you, have there been days in your life you were hungry because you had nothing to eat? Really? If you were not, it's coming. Fed you with manna, which you did not know nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but my, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He humbled you and he what, what did he do? He tested you. That's what he does. Okay, I spoke something into your life. I'm not going to allow it to happen. No, Abraham is going test after test after test after test after test. So many years, I'm not i going to I'm not, I'm not get a child. It's a, it's a test. Something is happening to him. Will he cling to the word? Will he cling? Romans chapter 4 will say he never wavered in his promise, but he remains strong in faith, giving glory to God, knowing fully well who has promised him will also make it come to pass. But did he really do that? No. New Covenant is a little more generous. It's a period of grace, so it gives grace marks, overlooks all your faults. Tested you? God is testing some, many of you, many of you, I'm sure, including me, going through different tests. Why does God do this? In First Peter chapter one verse three, this is what He says: "Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope." through the resurrection of jesus christ from the dead to an inheritance i'm going to get an inheritance what kind of an inheritance imperishable undefiled unfading ah what an inheritance okay i don't know whatever that means we don't have an idea what it means it's just giving us words we do not know what in, what what awaits us in eternity who by god's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in la, in the last time but look at the next verse in this you rejoice. Though now for a while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various various trials. Why? So that the tested, you see that? What is being tested? The tested genuineness of your faith, which is more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That is the reason why it's being tested. And let me tell you something. If you are a child of God, if you're not going through real, real crisis, it is coming. It's, it's, it's around the corner. You don't have to go searching for it. It will come to you. Because God has to test us, test our faith. It has to be found uh Genuine and if and if you uh, i was there in the last two days of the conference of the revival meeting and one of the things pastor was saying test yourself grace is there power of god is available but what allows the power of god to flow in your heart is your faith therefore test 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 if you really have that faith and that is what um, uh, second corinthians chapter 13 verses 5 to 6 the esv captures it beautifully look at what he says examine yourself to see whether you're in the faith Test yourselves or do you not realize this is about yourselves? That Jesus Christ is in you unless you indeed fail to meet the test. You see that? It's testing. I hope you will find that, find out that we have not failed the test. I'm hoping that each one of us will not fail that test. In other words, it is coming. It's an intense battle which is coming. Our test of faith where all our, what do you call, things that we really relied upon or hoped upon will be shaken. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. So that ultimately what cannot be shaken in our lives will remain. And the only thing that remained in Isaac's life, uh, Abraham's life was Isaac. Everything else was shaken in his life. Therefore Romans chapter 5, what is God after? What is God after? This is what he's after. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulations bring about perseverance. Perseverance proven character. Proven character, hope and hope does not disappoint because the love of God is should have run in our hearts. What is he after? He is after proven character. That is what He's after. Will we really stand the test? In other words, when real situations come tight in our lives, how will we respond? Panic? Screams? Shouts? What have you? Going out and hope? Most of the times it's about finances. Why did you spend that? That is that was not required. This was not required, etc., etc. Argument going back and forth between husband and wife so many times. Why? Whatever the crisis that you're going through it could be financial. I'm just giving an example. Why? Because God is after proven character. And if you don't, what will happen? In second Second Thessalonians chapter two verses three to four, this is what he says: Let no one deceive you in any way. For that day will not come unless what comes first. The falling away. The falling away. That's a very strong word. Very, very strong word. What is falling away? The word is apostasy. And it's used in two ways in the, in the Bible. One, it means to leave the faith. Second, it means to divorce. That's what it means. And what, you know what he's saying? Days will come when people will divorce God. And say, you know what, we don't want to have anything to do with this God because He's not coming, uh, He's not coming through the way I expected Him, anticipated Him that He would come through in my life. It's not, it's not happening in my life. Therefore, whoever, this is falling away and it happens and so many people are in the brink, if not almost there, falling away. So question therefore is, how do you respond to the Word of God? You get offended? do you really deal with whatever is being told to you in an objective way saying yeah this is what is being said let me deal with it let me not take it personally personally meaning let it not hurt me let it not hurt my ego or feelings what have you but let me take it with an open mind what is it whatever it is Lord I am willing to change I want to see it what it, does it really really require from me John chapter 6 when many of his disciples heard this this is a hard saying. who can listen to it and what happened And he says, but Jesus knowing himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, he says, do you, are you offended because of this? Are you offended when the teaching gets really, really strong? Are you offended? And after this, many disciples divorced him in an effect and went away. That is how many people fail the test, because the word of God, when it comes to them, they are not able to mix it with faith and therefore it doesn't work in their lives faith is tested second way how does how do people get offended i want to read this interesting verse in matthew chapter 13 verses 54 to 58 (laughs) when he had come to his own country he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said where did this man get his wisdom and these mighty works is this not the carpenter's son is not his mother called mary And his brothers James and Joseph, Simon and Judas and his sisters, are are they not all with us? Where then did this man get all these things? So they were offended at him. But Jesus said, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town. What is happening? Why were they offended? You know, when I was uh, in my university, I had a fantastic mentor. You know, many of you know that, that man. His name is Shibu. Shibu Clement. Okay, Shibu used to mentor us and his family, like Pastor was saying, oh, very united family, they pray together. They had a son when, they were, when he was uh, in, on campus those days. And he used to tell us, you know, don't marry unbelievers. It's a very, very tough, okay, very, very tough teaching. Don't marry unbelievers, keep your head straight, etc. And one day I asked him you know, personal question. I said, Shibu, um, how did you and Akka meet? I just want to know. And he said, Vijay, I came from a Jacobite background. None of my family believed. When I got converted, they said, we don't have any, we don't want to have anything to do with you. And Bini, his wife, sister Bini, she was, she came from a Catholic background and after she believed her family disowned her. And one day, his friend came to him and he said, Shibu, I have an alliance for you. I did not tell her what you do. But I believe that the Lord is telling me that this is a person for you. Are you okay with it? Listen, she said, okay, I'll do one thing. Don't tell her my background. Okay. Don't tell her particularly my educational background. Okay. Don't tell her this guy is from IIT and all. Don't, don't, don't say that. Okay. Don't, don't mention anything at all. Don't mention my social status. Nothing. And he told me, Vijay, you know what I did? What I did that day to meet her, I went in Hawaii Chapel, wore a very simple shirt and pajama. Okay. You know why I went that way? I wanted her to first see me, first look, and if she's really a godly, discerning girl, she would get attracted to the Christ in me. I mean, he was almost bald those days. Would she really accept this bald-headed guy? And you know what? I went. I looked at her. She was so simple. And she looked at me and she said, The Lord told me that you are the one for me. And we had a wedding. We gave Coca-Cola and biscuit. You know, honestly speaking, I was, I was telling some of the brothers here, I said, you know what? We should do a revolution, man. Usmania biscuit This is what I did Vijay, This is what I did. I went this way so that I did not want her to get attracted to my external appearance. She, if she was really a godly, discerning girl, she would be attracted to the Christ in me. I was 22 years old. I said, I said, Shibuana. I didn't say that to her, to him. I said, I don't have that faith. Uh, not in myself. Uh, I want to use, uh, you know, those days. Remember those go old Godrej ads in, in doordarshan Excuse me, sir. Hello, sir. Which shaving cream do you use? And he turns around and he says, Godrej, of course. But why? <laughs> Great shave, colon fragrance, girlfriend loves it. I said, she want And every time I go to him, Justin, I like the smell. I said, ah. I don't wanna be presentable, man. I don't have that kind of faith. Really? Honestly? Think about it, no? Think about it. Do you see all the ads in, 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 in our, in our, in our culture? Nya culture, googly, axe googly, you know what that is, from somewhere people are running after this fellow, it's all the external, everything is the external, and I heard that, I said this is too high a standard baba, that's not gonna happen with me because we want, we want Approval of men, they, they want to see. And what are, where are you from? Uh, by the way, from IIT. Life set. That is what I want people to get attracted to, right? You know what Shibu said? I'll not do that. I said, Baba, this is too much. You know what? It's exactly what happened to Jesus when he came. Look at what Isaiah 53 verse 1 onwards, 1 onwards says. Who has believed our report, Lord? Who has believed? Who will believe this man? Who? Why, why, why will they not believe? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up among us. This is God coming into our midst. And this is what his outward appearance is talked about. He says, he grew up like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty. That we should desire him. You see how 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 he's he's he's. I mean, this is essentially divine conspiracy, if you will. You know what God said? He was like Shibu, Oh, like no, no, Shibu was like God. Yeah, exactly. Shibu was like God, or like Jesus. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna go in Hawaii Chapel. I'm gonna be so 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 simple. I'm gonna choose a family which is the poorest. I'm gonna choose a neighborhood which is poorest. I'm going to choose two young people who are absolutely vulnerable to the pressures of society. I'm going to choose that. It's going to be an absolute conspiracy of God. Divine conspiracy. Dallas Willard wrote a book called Divine Conspiracy. It's going to be a conspiracy. I want to see. Will they get attracted to my son? Will they desire him? For what he is? In the inside, would they have the discerning ability to see what is inside and not what is outside? Not his births, not his pedigree, not his royal blood, nothing. Think about the son of man who is going to rid himself of all his glory. That is a scandal of Christianity. Scandal. You know why they got offended? This guy? Jesus? Really? Man who's a carpenter's son, he, he mean he didn't even go to Bible college. Forget about getting a degree from the top university. Forget about that. And blood what blood does he have? Oh, you know his parents? Really? Royal blood? No way. Messiah You know how people get offended? I'm gonna talk about that today. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces. In other words, if he's going up, I mean, in proper, proper, proper Hyderabadi. No, 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 this guy, take it easy, man. He's not that cool dude. He has no, nothing, no latest gadget, gadgets, no brains. Ostensibly, he doesn't have, he doesn't speak at all. We don't know if he's really got the, the brain. You know, people get either attracted to outward appearances, like you know, art. By the way, you know, artists and uh, uh, economists have two idols. If an economist has to sell uh, art for him, if it doesn't make a profit, it's not a good piece. Okay. If an artist <laughs> sells his art, if it makes a profit, <laughs> boy, it's a very bad piece. Because people have different, different, different ways of looking at things. Some people, I got attracted to this girl, Yeah, maybe she's not very beautiful, but she's brainy man. Boy. She's gonna be a fantastic, we're gonna have fantastic children. Einsteins, maybe. I don't know. Possible, highly probable for sure. See, that is how people, that is how people think! You see? If it's not, I mean, they, they, they may say, you know what, uh, I don't look at caste or color, etc. But she's intelligent. Oh, that is the reason why. This is we used to have in 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 our in in our youngsters' days. This used to be be an abbreviation among uh, believer brothers. What are you looking for? What kind of a girl? I'm looking for BBG. What is BBG? Beautiful believer girl. What? It's not sufficient that she is beautiful. It's not a believer. She should be beautiful. Beautiful in what sense? I mean, she used to be real intelligent, very sensitive, etc., etc., etc. BBG. Is not there, here. People just hide him. They just want to go away from him. Would you get attracted to this Jesus? How many of young people would, would think, Jesus is cool, man. I mean, everybody says, right? Oh, it's cool to be a Christian. Really? <laughs> you have no idea. You're talking about the wrong Jesus. We did not esteem him. And John chapter 6, this is what people say, you know, So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. Whoa! Wait a minute! From heaven? This guy? Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph? Whose father and mother we know. How is he saying that he came from heaven? Another place. Pharisees. When they heard these words, some people said, this, real, this is really the prophet. Others said, this is the Christ. But some said, he is the Christ to come from Galilee? Has not the scripture said the Christ comes from the offspring of David? He should be having royal blood flowing through his veins, man. So there was division. And some wanted to arrest him. I, know, I was listening to this uh, sermon by Martin Lloyd-Jones. Of course, thanks to my mentor here in Hyderabad. Pastor, he's introduced me to some incredible men of God. He preached a sermon, which is on YouTube by the way, and has got a, one of the highest number of hits for a sermon preached in 1955. Okay, this is what he has to say. The worship of the expert. Okay. What do you call it? He's calling the worship of the expert. I mean the, the title of the sermon is A Battlefield for Your Mind, where he's talking about how people worship experts. Look at what he says. Slightly paraphrased. But it conveys the meaning. The very grave danger of us becoming slaves of the expert. The business of sending rockets. The splitting of the atoms. All the things done by the physicists. The average man says, I can't really begin to understand this. Who am I to understand all of this? And the physicist becomes an authority. A kind of the mystery man. He has the power of the priest. And he begins to make statements about God. And we believe him. oh really you believe in god you know what think about it i mean I, I give this example sometime back think about it think about it no you have a ailment in your body and you think it is cancer you go to the doctor who's a who's a cancer specialist i don't know what they call him on ontho, on thank you onthologist. And he, and he and he and he diagnoses and says, "Boy, I think it's really bad. Here, we need to go for um, testings, etc. We need to take a culture test, etc., etc., etc." And then you don't you don't like him. And you come back home, and he says, this is what the doctor said." "Oh, really? We'll take another opinion. We'll take the expert opinion. Who is the expert? we have a physicist in our lab. He's splitting atoms. He's very good at mathematics. We'll go and ask him what he thinks about doctor's prescription." Would you ever do that? Would you ever do that? You'll never do that. You'll say, what kind of a stupidity is this? But you know what? Many people in Christendom, because some people are ostensibly successful in the world, they kind of become the authority when they can speak for God. They become the authority. Why? Because they're a successful physicist, you see. They're a successful biologist. They're a successful doctor. What has happened? Happened is we start worshipping the expert. And that's a happening in this generation. And then we see a carpenter, really? But when he speaks, he speaks with authority. He's actually unpacking the intents of your heart. And it begins to offend you. You know why? This man being a carpenter, I can't stand this man. I can't stand this. I can't stand this. How can he be so true? How can he be so, so real and true and so exact having not known words and letters and alphabets? Get the expert. Oh boy. This is a generation where we are given to the experts. And because they are successful in some field, in the scientific realm, or in the economic realm, we think that they can become an authority, that they can make pronouncements about God. Is there a baptism in the Holy Spirit? It's a subjective truth. It's an objective truth and a subjective reality. Just because you do not experience it, you cannot make a doctrine and say, you know what, there is nothing called tongues. And I'm, let me honestly, I mean this is their Open, okay, I'm not talking uh, behind this man's back. Michael, Martin Lloyd-Jones. He believes in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But he says, you know what? The gift of tongues is gone. The gift of miracles is gone. The gift of prophecy is gone. The gift of the apostleship is gone. In, in, In that he says, there is no longer prophetic gift. Who told you? Who told you? How can you make categorical statements like that just because you have been given light in so many areas? That does not qualify you to make categorical statements on the other areas because there are so many people have gone through subjective realities and they know and experience that this is God. How can you put God in the box? Oh, why? <laughs> Ironically, we worship the expert Martin Lloyd-Jones. Oh, because he said there is no baptism, there is no speaking in tongues, there is no speaking in tongues. Because who said it? Martin Lloyd-Jones said it, you see. Make statements about God. Be very careful. And that is the reason why not many of you should be teachers. That's what the Bible says because you shall be judged more severely. And therefore you approach like MLJ himself says, you read the Bible on your knees. Read the Bible on your knees. Don't think that you have arrived. There should, there should be an attitude with which you, 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 you approach the scriptures. Otherwise it is going to offend you big time. Paul takes it one step further, and this is what he says. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 to 5, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. And yesterday, Pastor, we were all discussing in the men's prayer, we said, you know, Pastor was saying, making a statement, we said, you know what, if Martin Luther was living, if he was living in the 16th century, he was extremely successful in the 16th century, but he would be, if he would have been in the 21st century, he would possibly not been that successful. He would have been a failure. Wesley in the 18th century, and so many other Puritans in the 19th and the 20th century, if they were in this age, they would possibly be in real failures. When he made a very interesting statement, and I literally resounded, I mean, seconded with him, he said, the only guy possibly would have absolutely been comfortable in this day and age would have been Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul. Brilliance! Boy, I mean, if I were to put the brain of Apostle Paul, oh, if I can, and Einstein, more They want to cut it apart. They didn't, thank God, they didn't take the brain of Apostle Paul. He would have possibly given him a run for his money. For sure. And you know what this man says? He says, I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I did not, did not determine to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear and in much trembling. Why did I do that? Why did I do that? Because, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom. I was not speaking like the expert who has all those things figured out. No, 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 no. no. I was not speaking like that. But in demonstration of spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. In the power of God. How so many of us married to experts? Export opinion. Ka and the fact of the matter is, we don't even double check. We just take information that as it comes. We don't even know. We don't look at it. We don't glean through it. We don't analyze it with the with the lens of the Bible. And therefore, we just give we don't want to be bothered with all of these things. Okay. to say Who said that? Who said that? Hmm. Look at what he says, another place. It's a fantastic place. Uh, In 2nd Corinthians chapter 11, he says, this is a dangerous thing. If you look for outward appearance, very, very dangerous. Would to God you could bear with me a little in my folly and indeed bear with me. For I'm jealous over you with a godly jealousy. For I've espoused you to one man that I may present you to uh, as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear Lest somehow, as serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, he came like an expert, by the way. He had all things figured out as, apparently. You shall not surely die. You shall become like gods. So your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity. Simplicity. Christ is simple. Simplicity that is in Christ. But you know what he says, he goes on, he says, for if he who comes preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit, whom you have not received, or a different gospel, which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. Why? For I consider that I'm not at all inferior to the most eminent apostles. All these people are saying they're experts. I don't think I'm the least of them. I have the authority just because I appear weak, ostensibly not say I doesn't mean that I don't have authority. I don't, you don't, think, don't ever think that I don't have, don't have brains, I don't have wisdom. He goes on to say, even though I am untrained in speech, <laughs> he accepts, <laughs> I am untrained in speech, yet not in knowledge. Not in knowledge. But we have been thoroughly manifested among you. In all things. You looked at our lives. You looked at our testimony. You looked at the work of God in our lives. You looked at how the Holy Spirit worked through us in us. How what kind of a believers we were among you? You saw the demonstration of the spirit and of power. You saw my knowledge. You also saw the accompanying signs and wonders and miracles. Attesting the work of God, the, attesting the preaching of the word of God. You saw all of that. And yet somebody else comes and claims that he's an expert. You go after him. Wow. What foolishness. He goes on to say. Chapter ten verse seven to twelve. Do you look at things according to the outward appearance? Ah, that's your problem. If anyone is convinced in himself that he is Christ, let him again consider that in himself that just as he is Christ, even so we are Christ's. For even if I should not boast somewhat uh, should boast somewhat more about our authority which the Lord gave us for your edification, not for your destruction. I shall not be ashamed, lest I seem to terrify you by letters. That's exactly what happens when you read Romans, you'll be terrified okay. What is this? Ephesians, Romans, everything, you'll be terrified. But you know what he says? For his letters, they say, are weighty and powerful, but his bodily appearance contemptible. I'll tell you what it means. I'll tell you what it means. I'm going to take today's example. Pastor makes a statement. He says, couples who are not praying, shame on you. And then he immediately makes a statement. He says, not that I don't have issues in my marriage, but I don't let those issues block my relationship with my wife. And then you respond. How do you talk to us when you yourself have issues in your marriage? How do you talk to us? I'm just giving an example. How dare you speak those things to us knowing that you yourself are failing? How dare you speak to us about how to raise our children? How dare you speak to us as to how to do finances? How dare you speak to us about all these things? Are you perfect? I mean, that's exactly how people respond. Are you perfect? Are you perfect? No, 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 no. no. You're not perfect. so you. How dare you tell me all these things? How dare the pastor speaks like that? Is he really perfect? No, that's exactly, that, that, that's the attitude. Speech, your letters when you write, okay, because I don't know the person, but when he comes there I see him, he's all weakness. There's nothing I mean he's not even you uh, uh, they say that Apostle Paul's preaching I mean one thing for sure possibly would have failed, and in, in that he would have failed in making you guys awake. Because most of the most church historians say that when Apostle Paul used to preach, he was not like me, he used to use a dull drab monotone. You know what a monotone is? One pitch. I did not come to you in demonstration of spirit. I mean, with expert. just like the same pitch. And if I say that, most of you will go. It's exactly what will happen. But he was like that. And they said, Are, what is this? What is this authority? Well, waiting. But look at him. You know what the problem is? I'll tell you what the problem is. I'll tell you what the problem is. The problem is this. Jesus will talk about the problem. In Luke chapter 7 verses 31 to 35. This is, this is what this is what he says. This is your problem. And the Lord said, To what then shall I liken the men of this generation? And what are they like? They are like the children in the marketplace calling one to another. We played the flute for you. In other words, we played the music and the, this preacher was full fired up. Hmm. You And you did not dance? We moaned or we played the dirge for you and you do not weep. Why? He says, for John the Baptist came neither eating nor drinking wine and you say he has a demon. Alright, how dare you? What are you saying? Repent. Who are you? Are you the Christ? Are you the prophet? Are you that, that, that man? No, 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 no. I am a small, I'm just a voice crying in the wilderness. How dare you speak to us like that? What authority do you have? Why are you baptizing? John the Baptist came without eating and drinking. That message offended you. Another guy comes and he says, you know what? The son of man came without eating and drinking. Eating and drinking. And you said he's a glutton. A wine A friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is justified by her children. You know what it means? What? your Your attitude toward the word of God or offense. How do you know that you're offended? If a child comes and tells you, this is your problem. In other words, if my daughter Abigail would come and tell me, Dad, you shout too much. Speak kindly, Papa. I'm the father. You, will, I, will I get offended? That's how I know. You know, that's what pastor was talking about in the men's meeting. He says, when people are above you and they, when they instruct you, you don't have any problem taking their instruction. But when people are under you, you know that these people are weak. They are failures. They have their all their problems. And when they come and tell you, I think there is an issue here, brother. You'll say, how dare you tell me like that? What are you? And the problem is not the person who is speaking the message. You are offended at the content of the message. You don't want to change. You don't want to change. You don't want to change. You, don't want, you know what? You want experts to come and tell you how good you are. That's what you want. That's what you want. John chapter 5 verses 43 to 44. This is what Jesus says. I have come in my father's name. And you do not receive me. You do not receive me. Why? Because I came under my father's authority. I, what, what, do you, what, what are you doing? I am only preaching what God is asking me to preach. I am only doing those miracles what God is asking me to do. When God is saying that you should go from this place to the other just because the crowds are there, I am not going to do, go there and preach to them. No, I am going to obey my father. I am going to do what exactly my father will ask me to do every time. And you know what he says? You do not receive me. You do not. But he says, if another comes in his in own name, you will receive him. How can you believe? How can you believe you who receive honor one from another but do not receive the honor that comes from God alone? You want the opinions of men rather than opinion of God. That is more important to you than anything else in life. And therefore, the message will offend you. It doesn't matter what the vessel is, who the vessel is. Even if it's a donkey, it will offend you. I mean, can you imagine? how blinded balam was i mean, I, will, I look at the passage in numbers why are you not moving uh, why are he, and the donkey says why are you kicking me and balam is so blinded he is not shocked at the miracle are the donkey spoke i mean if i was there are i would have said that because you are not moving I mean, that is the reason why i'm kicking you and the donkey is reasoning can you have you ever seen donkey's reasoning all these days, did not, did not I not serve you faithfully? Yes. Though why are you beating me now? There should be some reason, no. Donkey is reasoning with this man and this fellow is offended because his eyes are blinded, you see. Blinded with covetousness. Blinded for the honor of men. Blinded for them, for the gain in this world. He's absolutely blinded and therefore he's not able to see. He's offended at the donkey. There's a spirit of Bala in the church. Offended the donkey. Think about it, no? If a three-year-old, four-year-old comes and reasons out with you, what will you say? Boy. And this guy is like, donkey is reasoning. (laughs) This is a, he's not even, he's not even considering it until the Lord opens his eyes. That's the problem you say. Question therefore. Does a vessel which contains the word offend you? Are you looking for experts? Does he have a PhD? If he doesn't have a PhD, I'm not going to listen to him. I know it. You go to, there's one Christian theological seminary in Hyderabad. Okay. One day my father-in-law went to the principal of the college and he said, there's one book by Warren V.S.B. I think you should have it in your Bible, in your library. He did a fantastic commentary on the entire Bible. I think you should have it in your in your library. And this man said, Does Warren VSP have a doctorate? Uh he said no. Ah, uh, we don't allow people without doctorates to have their books. What? Warren VSP? What are you talking about? You see? People blinded. Because God does not fit their imagination. Daniel chapter 7. This is what is gonna happen. Then I continue to watch because of the boastful words the horn was speaking. Who was speaking? This is the Antichrist who's gonna come. You want a PhD? Ah, this guy was is gonna have a triple PhD? You want beauty? This guy is gonna have, he's gonna be handsome. You want to, you want to, you want eloquence. This guy is going to have eloquence. You want to have a guy who's absolutely perfect in the external. This guy's going to be the one who's absolutely perfect in the external, and you will accept him. Any man who comes in his own name, you will accept him. You will accept him. For when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, it's empty. They allure through the lusts of the flesh, through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by whom a person is overcome, by whom, by him also he is brought into bondage. Let me tell you something, something, brothers and sisters. Jesus Christ came to set us free from the power of sin. The only thing that is going to stop us from enjoying that, Blessing is when we get offended at the word, at the preacher. That's exactly what happened to even David's kingdom. Joab knew David's errors. He knew all the shortcomings of David and never, never, ever respected David. Never. Because they come, because they know the failure of the, of the, of his, of his boss. Think about it, children here, in, in this house. In this house. If you are more educated than your father or your mother, And tomorrow she or he comes and says, you know what, I think this is not right in your life. What will you say? How will your response be? Do you know mama? I have a PhD in robotics, okay? Okay, please. I know what I'm doing. Okay, I know what I'm doing. just, Just keep your correction to you. I'll take correction from somebody else. I know from where to take. Is that your attitude? I mean, let me just reverse the, reverse the thing. You know, parents with the children. What are you saying, born again, born again, born again? What are you born again? I'll tell you what, how, what happens. You should not take dowry. Yes. Mama, you should not take dowry. What is your pastor teaching you? Not to disobey, to disobey your parents? This is what he's teaching? You see, this is happening. People are offended. And the messengers of God who speak the truth. But they say, you know what? Ray, you should honor your father and mother. You should leave and claim. Who said that? Who Who said? Who said? Who said? And people, they don't say that the Bible says, they say, Pastor said. I mean, this is very convenient in this, in in our generations. Why is your marriage in a mess? Because you know what? Pastor asked me to marry this girl. Pastor is to blame. You never take responsibility for your own actions. That is the reason, right? That's what he says. Guy comes with, like, John, you're offended. Guy comes with, as a friend of tax calculus, you're offended. The reason why you're offended is because you don't want to change. You're offended. Basically, that's a problem. That's a problem. That's a problem with you. Why? Why all this? At the core of it all, there is one fundamental thing and I'm going to end with this. What is the problem? Why is this offense there? In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 22-23, to Paul will talk as to what the problem is. For Jews, request a sign. Greeks seek after wisdom. This guy will go for expert. This guy go for expert in miracles, expert in wisdom. Okay? Or okay. hey, miracles? You should see the miracles that he's doing. Or hey, expert pastor? He is expert in demonology. He can drive out demons. Or hey, he cannot drive out demons. No pastor or no man of God can drive out demons. Categorical statement. It is the anointing upon him. It is the power of God upon him. It is the faith that he has that will drive out demons and not the pastor or the or the or any prophet or people are after these miracles. Expert in miracles, expert in demonology. Export in prophecy. What is it? What what do you know what that means? This guy is a fortune teller, basically. What all he said came to pass. How many times? 98, 90 times out of hundred. Statistically speaking, if you go to him. You have a good chance that it will come to pass in your life. Greeks seek after what? Wisdom. But what do we preach? Christ crucified. It's an offense. Stumbling block, the same word, offense. To the Jew. Foolishness to the Greek. You know what the cross does? It shatters all your categories. And all your expert opinions. And says you know what. You know why you are dying my dear brother and sister. It is because of sin in your life. That is the reason why you are dying. Wherefore as through one man sin entered into the world. And death through sin. Death passed through all men. For all sinned. That is the reason why you are dying. Why do you have accidents? Because people sin. Why is Hyderabad contaminated? Because people have sinned. Why are there natural disasters? Because people have sinned. Why do people die? Not because of old age. Because they sinned. They sinned. That is the reason why they die. It's a categorical statement God makes. It's a And unless you accept the death, burial and the resurrection of Jesus, you will have no life. No life. Categorical. Offense. It's an offense. Galatians chapter 5. But I, brothers, still preach. If I still preach uh, circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. Cross is offensive. That is the reason why Jesus looks at Peter and he says, get thee behind me, seven, you are an offense to me because your mind is set on earthly things and not on the things of God. Not on things of God. Because your your hope, your savior is your righteousness, your good deeds, your... Walks of faith, etc, etc. But not believing in God. Philippians chapter 3. Brethren, join in following my example and note those who walk as you have as a, as, as a pattern. For many of them, I've often told you and now tell you, even weeping, that they are enemies. They are enemies of not Christ. They are enemies of the cross of Christ. Whose end is their destruction? Whose God is their belly? Whose glory is in their shame? Like Pastor was talking to those people in uh, in the in the revival meeting, he said, you know, when the deck in, in in Noah's Ark, the entry is free. Anybody can come. But inside Noah's Ark, there are three three stages: the lower deck, the middle deck, and the upper deck. In the lower deck, all all the animals which creep on their belly, they occupy the lower deck. On the middle deck are the people, uh, are the animals who have legs. On the upper deck are the birds which fly. What do you want? Those people who crawl on the, on the, on the, on the floor are those people who are married to this world. Their, their God is their belly, literally. And those people who are on the middle deck, they're soulish, they're very intellectual, okay? Uh, okay, fine, uh, Mahatak. God? Don't, don't cross. But you know what? On the upper deck, those people who are completely sold out to God. Are you sold out today? Are you sold out to God? Sold out! God, I'm here! I'm gonna be spent for you! No half measures! I'm gonna fly with you. Because I know you're gonna give me wings if I fly. Let me see me, let me see the wings and then I'll fly. No, 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 jump, then you'll have wings. It is not come and see. Believe and you will see. See it is not seeing and believing. Romans chapter 9 will talk about another set of believers. What shall I say? we shall we say then? The Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained to righteousness. Even the righteousness of faith. But Israel pursuing the law of righteousness has not attained to the law of righteousness. Why? Because they did not seek it by faith. They stumbled. They were offended at the Stone of offence. You know why? You know why? The cross comes and says, "You know what? Your righteousness, all your good deeds, all your good acts, all your givings and your tithes and your philanthropic activities, all your etc. 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 That is your righteousness. You know what? It's not going to save you. It's like filthy rags. It's not going to save you. You cannot come through this gate. There's only one gate." You cannot trust. You know, a lot of people have their own savior. Their own righteousness is their savior. It's not God who's their savior. Why are you, why, why, why are you how do you know that you're going to heaven? Because I tithe regularly. They don't say this. But intuitively, that's the, that's the logic in their hearts. I go to church. I listen to the sermon. People fall asleep, but I'm not like them. I'm better, better, better. Who's, who's your com- who's your, who's your, uh, benchmark? The guy next to you. My marriage is not that bad. I'm better than that marriage, that couple. Look at that couple always fighting. I'm better. That's what Paul says. Who compare- you if you compare yourselves with yourselves. And you know, he says, he tells the Corinthians, you know what? I don't- you don't have to judge me. Forget you don't judge me. I also don't judge myself. Even though if my- my conscience is clear, That does not still mean that I am innocent. No, 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 no. No. No, The one who is going to pronounce that you are innocent is God, not me. Even though if I have a clear conscience, my clear conscience is my savior. No way, brother. That's not your savior. It's not your savior. It's going to shatter all your categories. It's going to shatter all the things that you put your life on. And said, this is going to save me. It's going to save you. That's going to be a stumbling block in your life. Now Why? Because your eyes are on this world and not on God. And that is the reason why many people are offended. They are offended. It's an offense. Preaching of the cross is an offense. It's an offense to so many of us. And I like like that song that we sang today. The hymn, Nearer my God to thee, nearer to thee. Even though it be a what? A cross that raiseth me. Yet, in my dreams I'll be nearer my God to thee. Nearer my God to thee. Nearer to thee. There let the way appear steps unto heaven. All that thou sendest me in mercy given. Angels to beckon me nearer my God to thee. Nearer my God to thee. Nearer to thee. God, I want that. I want that to be my experience. I want that. I don't want to be offended. And I, let me ask you this question today. How many really, really... Carry your friends in your heart today in the light of what we have been shared, what has been shared here on Sunday morning. How many of you say, you know what brother, I'm sold out to God. I'm sold out. Really? Are you sold out? If you're really sold out, do you worry too much? Are you really sold out? H- have you put all your eggs in one basket? Think about, no, I just have this bank balance there, okay? Just in case all these things fail. There's something to rely upon. And you know what God says? He who puts his hand upon the plow and turns back is not worthy. He's not worthy. it's not worthy. Do you carry offense? Do you take correction? David says in Psalm 119, I don't know the exact verse, he says, you know what? Blessed is the man who is not offended at your word. Who's not offended at your word? This morning, even as I close, I just examine yourself, you know, for, a, take a few minutes and say, Lord, do I really carry offense? <laughs> Have I subscribed to expert opinions? <laughs> Ask. Ask that question. Do I really, really humble myself when some people come and say this is what is wrong with your life? Am I really accountable? Am I really accountable? If people rub me the wrong way, do I show my true colors? That's exactly what is going to happen in a fellowship. If You carry offense. deal with that today. Blessed is the man that is not offended. Blessed is the man that is not offended because of me, God says. That is the truest blessing. And if you are not offended, you are truly poor in the spirit. You're truly a man who mourns for his sin. You're truly a man who hungers and thirsts after righteousness. You're truly a man who's striving for purity in his eyes. You're truly a man who's meek. You're truly a peacemaker. Otherwise, if you're offended, you can try to be all this, but you'll never be genuinely. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Father, for this time that you've given to us. So many of us carry offense. And we are offended so many times, Lord. You said and promised in your word, Father, it is not going to, there's not going to be a day in our life where offenses will not come. People will offend us. Because we, they do not live up to our expectations. Or things do not happen the way we want them to happen in our lives. And so many times, Lord, we are guilty like John. are you truly the Messiah? But I pray, Father, that Lord, you would give us the grace this morning to examine our hearts, to test ourselves in the light of what has been shared to see if there is offense in our hearts. Grant us the grace to not be offended, Lord. Beginning with me, so prone to it O oh Lord prone to wander, Lord we feel it prone to leave the God we love here is our heart O oh Lord take and seal it seal it for the courts above thank you Father for this time come at every one of us into your hands speak to us through the week and enable us to examine ourselves in the light of what has been shared in this morning enable us Lord Father to be good Berians who will accept the word with readiness of mind. But Lord will test the word and the doctrine and the spirit behind the word every day through the scriptures and prove it and apply it in our lives. That Lord that we will not let emotions, Father, rule us, but Lord we will rule truly over our emotions. And Lord it will be said about us that thanks be to God that when we were slaves to unrighteousness we believed and obeyed from that heart that form of teaching that was given to us. And therefore I pray Lord Jesus that you would direct our hearts to the love of God and to the patience of Christ. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Touch each one of us even as we go back homes to our homes O oh Lord. Speak to our hearts through this day. Through this week, O Lord, let not the enemy come and steal the word, but Lord, let it burn in us and let it rot your work in our lives, O Lord Jesus. Thank you. We praise you. We worship you. We give you glory. In Jesus' name, Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, rest and abide with each one of us. Amen. Amen.